I am not proud to say that I spent way too much time last week glued to Twitter. I don't ever actually tweet anything, but, but what I read left me in various degrees of, of sadness and anger. From alt-facts to claiming the press is the enemy to censoring government employees who were sharing climate change facts to giving the green light to the Keystone and Dakota access pipelines to the announcement of the construction of that ridiculous wall to issuing a, uh, on Holocaust Remembrance Day a statement that failed to mention Jews or anti-Semitism. And I could keep going on, but honestly, I can't keep it all straight. I can't actually hold it all in my brain at the same time. And of course, there was the executive order that bars access to all refugees into the country for 120 days. It definitely bars access to Syrian refugees who are fleeing atrocious, atrocious violence and restricts access to folks from seven different predominantly Muslim countries, even if they had been here legally and had green cards, even if they had helped U.S. forces in our own military efforts. Thankfully, last night, the ACLU was able to secure a court order that allowed people who had been detained in airports or who were in transit back to the U.S. to enter the country. But it did not secure all of their release, and, and when I went to bed last night, folks were still being detained in airports. Moreover, I can't imagine this will dissuade the administration for long. Now, we need to be clear about who this affects. This affects families, children fleeing from war. It affects scientists and doctors and students. It affects people who are looking for opportunities for a better life, a life that America has always promised. I read of folks going to visit family back in their country of origin who are now barred from returning. I read of, of a mother of Somali origin who was detained with two of her children who are American citizens. I saw a, a video of a five-year-old who was reunited with his mother after he was detained at Dulles International Airport. A five-year-old detained. Now, perhaps you think I'm being too political. And while that is true, I am being political. But so is the Bible. The Bible is political through and through. Perhaps you think I'm being too partisan. But this is not a Democrat versus Republican thing. This is a right versus wrong thing. This sort of policy was never in the mainstream of U.S. politics on the left or the right until recently. Even a year ago, most major figures in the mainstream of the Republican Party spoke out against a blanket discriminatory policy just like this including Paul Ryan, including Mike Pence. 
But this is where we are today. It should go without saying that as Christians, we are held to a different standard. Christians are called to reach across barriers that divide. We are called to care for for refugees and those who are in need. God routinely called on the Hebrew people to welcome the stranger. Leviticus, yes, the same Leviticus that makes you really, really nervous, that Leviticus, in 1934, says, the alien who resides with you shall be as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. And the verse ends with good measure, with the pronouncement, I am the Lord your God. Just in case you were wondering where these words were coming from. The New Testament is also filled with images of a united human family. In the book of Revelation, the seer John is shown a vision of a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, together they stand before the throne of God. This is a vision of a restored and unified humanity. And Jesus, Jesus is absolutely all about caring for those in need. In Matthew 25, Jesus identifies himself with the stranger who can either be welcomed or not welcomed. Jesus proclaims, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who were members of my family, you did it to me. Jesus identifies with those who are locked out and left out. Jesus places himself with those who are marginalized, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the prisoner, the stranger and therefore the refugee and the immigrant. If we build a wall, then we build it with him on the other side. I recently read an article by a rabbi that said, in Jewish ethics, there is no such thing as an innocent bystander. In a society where some are oppressed, all are implicated. We are not free to turn away, he says. This is true for Christians as well. We are not free to turn away. And so we are invited to discern how we will respond. We each have a part to play. Now, no matter how small that part might be, We have a part to play in shining light and in spreading love and in working for justice. Today's readings give us our marching orders, don't they? From the prophet Micah, we are told, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? 
Paul reminds us, we proclaim Christ crucified, which is his way of saying that God's true power and wisdom are revealed in the self-giving love that is revealed on the cross of Christ. And then Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. Blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake and those who are reviled for the sake of Christ. Here, not only are we given a list of moral injunctions, but even more so, we are given a view of God's dream and of what God's kingdom looks like. These blessed ones are already living in such a way as to be a sign of God's future to a desperate and broken present. The ultimate sign of this way of blessings is the life of Christ. And in our own way, as we come to embrace the Beatitudes, our own lives become Christ-like, life-giving and love-giving. And so in the midst of all of this, we will not lose heart, and we will not lose sight of what is truly ultimate. We are called to be nourished by our sacred story and to see God's hope breaking into our present. For in Christ, God's kingdom has come among us, and we are to do our part and to witness in our way. We are to stand up and speak up and speak out and stand with those who are vulnerable. We are to be agents of peace and justice. This is our task as the church. This is what God calls us to embody as we look to share the grace of God and as we look to follow Christ. Amen. Thank you.